0: ESPN LA 710.
1: Welcome to the experience. I'm Lafern Cusack. Thank you so much for joining me here on ESPN LA 710. For more information, please log on to ESPNLA.com and go to the experience page and download podcasts or check me out on Twitter at Lafern Cusack. Today we're talking equal pay, gender bias, and what you need to know with Tony Jaramia. She is from Tony Jaramillo, a professional law corporation, one of my favorite lawyers to talk to. Welcome back to the show. Thanks, Laferne. I'm so happy to be here. Tell us what you do, your specialty at Tony Jaramillo, a professional law corporation.
0: Well, I represent workers in all industries. I represent them in discrimination cases, wrongful termination, and unpaid wages. A lot of my cases involve discrimination based on race, national origin, and gender.
1: And when you say that, what specifically does that mean that, you know, well, let's talk about gender, for instance. Sure. So in the
0: workplace, you're you have a right to be treated equally. So that would include equal pay. That would include equal treatment in terms of benefits, in terms of opportunities, in terms of promotions, in terms of discipline. So with regards to gender discrimination, we have a case now where I represent a um, a woman who was an executive at a sports agency, and even though she was doing work that were the same and equal and similar to what men were performing, she wasn't paid the same. She was performing work like a sports agent, um, and she was not getting Nearly as much in terms of bonuses or commissions or salary as the men who represented um, athletes in the NBA you
1: know a lot of people say, well, a, a lot of women come into the workplace and they don't really know how to negotiate higher or negotiate their salary. Is that part of it, or what do you think?
0: Yeah, so well, A lot of times, you know, there's negotiations, but sometimes there are not. And there's just a, you know, this is what the employer wants to pay a person based on their experience, based on their credentials and based on the job duties and the title. And so with regards to being to negotiating your salary, one of the things that you can't factor into the negotiations is your prior salary and this is under the Equal Pay Act. And that's the reasoning makes sense because women have been historically um, oppressed and had salaries that were much lower than men for doing the same work or the same job title. And so it is unfair to then say, well, we're going to base your starting salary here at this job based on what you were making, your salary history. Mm -hmm. And so you can't take that into consideration anymore. You can only look at what your um, job duties are, your title, as well as what your experience is, what your education is. Uh, You look at those factors instead of salary history, because, you know, as we know, women, people of color, we've always had a salary history that was much lower than the men or other, you know, white men, white women. So those are the you know, those. that's one of the benefits now of the um, the laws. So it, with
1: saying your salary history, I, I just found out within the last year that you don't
0: have to tell them your salary history. Right, right. That's that's exactly correct, because like I'm saying, it's 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 unfair to have to um, answer that question because then the employer is going to say, OK, well, you were making, you know, eighty thousand dollars doing, you know, sim what we want you to do here. So we're going to start you at 80000 That's unfair, because women, you know, have been paid a lot less than men have. And so if you were going to consider your salary history, then how do you address the fact that historically you've been paid less than your uh, male counterpart?
1: Right. Um, Now, I know you are very well known in our community. You do a lot of great work, and you're an advocate for workers, for employees. And I know you do your due diligence on taking on a case. Uh, Now, this case, uh, again, it's the Joyce Lee versus Independent Sports and Entertainment case. What made you say, I'm going to take this on?
0: Well... You know, I looked at the facts. I looked at my client and her situation, and how, you know, a lot of times when I'm looking at a case, I look to see how genuine um, the credibility of the client that I'm going to now represent. I have to believe in her. I have to believe in my client. I have to believe in the case. Um, I have to look at the, you know, documents or the information that supports the case. because you know, discrimination cases are—it's hard to prove right. in a lot of ways because you can't get into the mind of the person who is who we are alleging is discriminating against you. Um, so you have to talk to—you have to look at evidence, documents, and you know, talk to witnesses. So that—that's what I do, and that's what I did. Um, but also, interestingly, and what's really—what's really, what's really great about the equal pay act is that you don't have to prove intent in terms of okay i'm going to pay her lower pay than him and i'm doing that because she's a woman and he's a guy you don't have i don't have to prove that any longer in under the equal pay under the labor code you just have to show that the woman was making less money for the same or similar work as the man and you can do that just based on documents on salary history on job duties that's all on paper or all on, you know, Mm -hmm. on, on, you know, statistics, what have you. I don't need to go into intent and say, you did that because she's a woman. Right. Yeah. So it's a behavior, right? It's well, it's, it's just, yeah, I just show that, She's making less, and she was doing the same work as the man. So what do you got to say about that? Uh, You can't defend on, well, I I didn't mean to. I I based it on her salary history. Well, hey, you don't look at the salary history anymore. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, I I didn't. I didn't have the intent to discriminate against her. Well, I don't have to prove that. I just got to show me his salary. Show me her salary. Let's compare job duties. And if they're the same or similar, like it doesn't have to be identical. And that's the other great thing about the Equal Pay Act. It doesn't have to be identical. You don't have to work in the same office. Same or similar duties. That's what I have to show. And she's a woman. He's a man. I win. Yeah. the
1: I read an article about the CEO. The CEO of Salesforce, he is contributing all this money to get all of his employees uh, to be paid the same, male and female. So he wants to get rid of that pay gap. And he has been a, you know, a leader mm-hmm. on this. And I think that's, that's the thing that we have to have more, more people in positions of power right. saying, okay, you know what? it's not the 1920s. Exactly. Um, Yes, you are doing the same amount of
0: work. You are doing the same job. Let's get you this equal pay. Exactly. And I think that's fantastic. And I think the dialogue needs to continue. And I think that women who are being paid and men, uh, but you know, the, the the pay gap is women lower than men. But they need to stand up and raise the issue and have that conversation and and request the equal pay. And the unfortunate thing with my client was she did exactly that and she got fired. And so there's laws that protect in that regard the Fair Employment and Housing Act, Eve, as well as the labor code. If you complain about equal pay and then you're fired because of it, you have a retaliation claim and a wrongful termination claim. So there's, you know, we're fortunate in California that it's a very aggressive state, and that it has some great protections for employees. And that's why I love what I do and representing employees, because there are very strong laws, but it really requires the victims of those discrimination to stand up and say, I need to be treated fairly. Because if you have the courage to do that, know that there are laws and there are lawyers who will advocate for you if you are fired because of it.
1: So she brought this up to her boss. Right. And it was acknowledged
0: by him. Right. And then he advocated to the powers that be at ISE. And instead of properly investigating the complaint of the unfair treatment, which is another law, another claim that is out there mm-hmm. for employees. Once you raise the issue of discrimination or unfair treatment in terms of gender, the employer has to investigate it in an unbiased way and address the situation. Mm -hmm. So instead of that, they terminated her and then they terminated her boss. So it was, you know, I mean, I'm not going to talk about whatever issue or litigation between her former boss who went to bat for her and the company. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a whole different conversation. But bottom line is she raised these issues Mm -hmm. and went to her boss that where you should go to or human resources or what have you. There's no rigid rule, but she went to her higher ups, the people that would have the power to address it. And shortly after that, she was like, go. Um, And it's not even just the equal pay. So, I mean, we're talking about equal pay and that's a huge thing. But Opportunities for promotions and being included in retreats, for example. So, one of the things in Ms. Lee's case is that she wasn't allowed to go to the sports retreats. And, you know, we, these retreats are, that's the opportunity to become visible in the workplace, to meet the boss, to meet the CEO, to meet, you know, the other players that are part of the agency and to meet other agents. And that's where. You mingle and interact, and where you, you know, for a promotion that's come oh, I remember her. Okay, let's, you know, let's consider her for this promotion. So when you're excluded from those things, it's like being excluded from the golf course. You know, where where the men are talking and yeah. and and engaging and finding opportunities. So do you remember the
1: lawsuit from the tech woman who was at a law firm and she wasn't invited to any of right. those events as well right um i i'm sorry i'm bringing it up on you know last (laughs) minute but she didn't win that case but i i don't know exactly she she didn't prove a certain amount of of whatever it was to win that case. But she, too, was not included.
0: Right, right. I mean, I think think that's an unfortunate um, outcome. I think it was the wrong outcome. But, you know, we respect the jury system and and what have you. And I don't know the details of the facts in that case. But um, those are evidence of discrimination based on gender. If you're not being invited to events or opportunities of advancement, then and men are, uh, then I think that's, you know, that goes into the whole analysis. Is that like a, the culture of a
1: company, you know how some people say, "Well, it is the culture of the company to." Yeah, like they, the New York Times article said about the Weinstein company and how, well, that was the culture. He hit on these women.
0: Well, that's unfortunate. It may be the culture. It's a wrong culture. It's a culture that's illegal. It's a culture that needs to be addressed. You know, in the justice system. Then, so um, I mean, it should start internally with the people who, who are in power. But as you mentioned, Laferne, you know, a lot of times the people in power because of discrimination and just the glass ceiling, we are not in those positions of power to make change. And so it's kind of a circular, you know, problem. It's like we can't get up there. We're fighting to get up there. So then we're, when we are up there, um, hopefully people will take a stand to make sure that the workplace is is equal in every way. I did a
1: workshop a, a little while back about unconscious bias in yes. the workplace. Yes. Maybe, you know, you're an older person working with a, a lot of millennials and you don't know how to communicate with them and you demean them or whatever, but you don't mean to. It's just that you do it, but you're not aware of right. what you're doing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that is rampant, and I think that um, there are those interesting studies as, um, you know, I recall those studies where you submit an application on behalf of Jamal, and the same job application and resume, um, but with the name John, you know, and the feedback is completely different for Jamal versus John, and there's an implicit... They say, impl- I don't like the word implicit. I feel like it's direct. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's direct discrimination, but it's this unconscious bias. You think Jamal's resume is not as good as John's resume. Or if you think, you know, I go by Tony with an I, which is usually associated with female. What happens if I go with Tony with a Y associated with a male? And how will I be received if I send an email to somebody um as Tony with a Y versus Tony with an I, male versus female. Mm-hmm. So it's there and people who, um, you know, have these implicit bias will respond according to those biases. Mm-hmm. It's there. It's, it's rampant. And, you know, we, we see it all the time. Even recently in the sports
1: entertainment industry, it's the same where, you know, Women sportscasters, you know, go into locker. And, you know, a lot of sportscasters still have that unconscious bias against them for, you know, whatever reason. And we've been fighting by to. Yeah. Beyond the same level.
0: Exactly. And I'm glad you brought that up, because that is just another example of how there is gender bias in the sports world. Um, You know, journalists and, and reporters, the women could not go into the locker rooms after a big championship game. And but the men can. And so they get to interview the player who, you know, did that great catch or did that great you know, dunk or whatever. And they get that interview and those in those great interviews then lead to great promotions and great promotions lead to greater salary. But if you're depriving the women from going in there and interviewing under the explanation or the excuse that, well, you know, they're the players are in the locker room. They're naked. We want to protect our women and not have them be subjected to sexual harassment. Um, I think that's just that's an unfair excuse. okay then don't let the men go in there, like have all interviews outside of the locker room and let them, you know, if that's the concern, you know, so it's it's just excuses to to allow the gender bias and the opportunities for women to be, um, you know, to be less. And so I think that we, ha- us having this conversation and looking at what's happening in different aspects of sports, whether it's you as a reporter, whether it's my client who is serving as a sports agent or as a junior, senior, mid-le- um, mid-level um, agent – whether it's coaches, you know, and also teams. Like take a look at um, how women's sports teams are being paid compared to men's <laughs> sports teams. I have a colleague um, in, in Northern California um, where they represented the Rats, You know, remember mm-hmm. that whole thing? Mm-hmm. And they don't even get paid minimum wage because they don't get paid for all their right. appearances. They don't get paid. They get Penalized for not attending practices or what have you you know a female dominated team because a uh, cheerleading is in way a sports. i mean you're oh yeah, yeah you're right they get concussions too uh, exactly and they don't get paid they don't even get paid what you're supposed to get paid right. is you know in terms of minimum wage or what have you um i'm not saying pay them like the football players but i'm just saying like take a look at how how women in so many different aspects of sports are being unfairly treated and unfairly paid. Well there was a thirty by thirty about women's soccer team that they playing soccer but they were very poor. <laughs> yeah. And they're getting championships yep, and world cups. Com- right? And yeah. and and the men who you know, we love all our teams, but I'm just saying, pay them, pay them the same, pay them fairly.
1: So, have you seen a difference from when you started in uh, the industry? Started being an advocate for employees, have you seen a shift? Is it getting better? Because I'm like it's 2017, and we're still talking about this,
0: right? And we still, and we have uh, a president that's not very sympathetic, and a government that's not um, really going to look at our our issues in the way that he should. But in any event, um, I think that um, I think there is a shift. But I think the needle just moved slightly. And I think that there is still, unfortunately, um, discrimination and and gender bias and race bias in the workplace. Uh, Again, I think that in California, we have very strong protections. And I have a lot of wonderful workers' rights colleagues who are passionate and they fight to address those, um, you know, biases and, and discrimination. And so when you hear huge verdicts in favor of an employee, um, you know, that makes that resonates, I think. I think it really puts employers in check and say, Oh we can't we can't do this. We can't keep doing and making excuses for this wage gap and for treating, you know, not letting our women go to sports retreats and not paying them commissions and bonuses for um Servicing NBA players, you know, like our, my client like um, serve was 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 working with Dwight Howard and, and John Wall and other NBA superstars. And it's unfortunate that she wasn't fairly paid. So um, I think that that is an, that's not just her in 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 this in this industry. I think it's so many women. In, in many aspects of industry, whether yeah. an athlete, whether the coach, whether a reporter, whether, you know, mm-hmm. a journalist, it's just unfortunate. And I think that we have to have this dialogue and, and continue fighting. Another thing uh, that your client
1: mentioned is uh, the clothing right. that she wore. She was reprimanded for wearing shorts to work. Right. And, and this um, according to what gender bias is, fits within. Oh, yeah. That. So can you explain that?
0: Yeah. I mean, again, it's what you, if you treat men, if you'd say to men, okay, if the grooming policy and the dress code policy is no shorts to work, great, you can have that policy, you know, no shorts to work. I mean, some some offices are more casual than others, mm-hmm. you know, I think in, in um, her workplace, um everyone was casual all the men would come in in workout clothes they come from the beach board shorts what have you and she comes in one day in bermuda shorts which is not where she's not wearing short shorts and she's not wearing casual shorts it's kind of like shorts that bermuda shorts that come up to your knee and she's reprimanded for that and so <laughs> how is that fair you know and um those are one of the things that she you know also raised um and it just goes into the full picture, you know, if you've got a woman who's who's, she can't cut a, she can't even come in shorts and everyone in Bermuda shorts and everyone's coming in like workout gear, she can't go to the sports retreats. She's not being, you know, she's she's working on an NBA player's, you know, um, you know, a contractor or or helping in that with that player in so many ways, in the same and similar ways as the men are doing, but then she's not getting paid. I mean, it's a really unfair environment. And I think, unfortunately, that is happening throughout, you know, many aspects of the sports um, industry. Now,
1: I don't know if you can talk about this, uh, but I read in Forbes magazine that uh, the, the lawsuit, she agreed to do arbitration, but oh. now she wants...
0: Yeah, let me... T- okay, that's okay. like another... <laughs> so um, the arbitration, um, a lot of employers require you to sign this arbitration agreement, which basically says you waive your right to a jury. You can only go... In front of a um, judge in a private setting, in like a office setting, and and why employers like to do that is because they, if we have a better shot at in a jury trial, because you are are appealing to your peers, a uh, uh, you know a, a panel of your peers who are also workers who are also. A diverse, hopefully, in the jury pool, Mm -hmm. a diverse group of people who who are who understand and are in your um, peer group in terms of your worker. Mm -hmm. You know, your um, you may have had the same experience. Um, So, putting someone and requiring an employee to go into arbitration deprives you of that jury, and you're now in front of a most commonly a white male older judge whose life, you know, <laughs> whose background is not that of my client. And so there's an um, unfair forum, and we think it's an unfair forum. Unfortunately, courts have enforced these arbitration provisions um, so long as, you know, the employer pays for it. So in this situation, um, there was an arbitration um agreement. Um, we're in arbitration, but, um, you know, I feel that, you know, I've had arbitrations before and we've had fantastic results in arbitration. But, um, you know, I, I I think that in this case, it's okay. Uh, we, we have to go to arbitration, but we have the information and documents that I believe is going to prove that she was paid unfairly. And so I think we'll do fine. Oh, I thought, uh, so maybe I misread it that,
1: okay, they, they said that she said she would go into arbitration,
0: but now wants a jury. uh, Oh yeah, no, we, um, we filed the civil action in, in court, um, and the, um, judge, um, ordered it to arbitration because she did sign an arbitration agreement. We're we're going to arbitration as required, and there's um. But what we're also looking into is what's called a Private Attorney General Act complaint, which puts us back in, in civil court, um, and that is because we believe that it's the gender bias at. Biasy is rampant, and we think that there's gender bias also in other divisions of the agency, not just basketball, but in football, in tennis, in, you know, in the other sports divisions of the agency. Um, It's not just isolated to the NBA or the basketball. Yeah. Yeah. So, So this action is going to be in civil court and it cannot be compelled to arbitration it just cannot because it's on behalf of the attorney general oh it's wow. like you, it's 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 hard to explain legal you know mm-hmm. the legal you know but it's you're you're basically filing in proxy for the attorney general because we do believe that um i i believe it in my heart that there's gender bias not just in the basketball division but in other sports mm-hmm. like i mean isn't that i no one has to admit it to me but I think people in the back of the Um, line are like um yes well I mean it's been
1: this topic has been controversial forever yeah in sports I mean it's but and I I feel like ESPN has done a lot uh to make sure that there are more women in front of the camera and behind the camera right you know um that's fantastic yeah but I also know that It's the people in power that have to be behind you, Yes, that you have to have an advocate on your side. You have to have that person that is going to help you rise within an organization or get to the next level or, you know, go do these networking events. You know, it's part of the business. Uh, Have you ever talked about another agency or because the agency business is... Yeah. I was I don't want to say oh it's cutthroat. It's just like I know. You know
0: what I mean? I know. It's so male dominated. Um so I'm focusing on on this case. But I encourage, you know, the women out there in these in in the sports agency world, or in the, you know, in these other agencies. I mean, really look into how you're being treated, right. and I, I know how you're being treated. Yeah. <laughs> I feel, but you need to stand up and and talk about it and raise the issue. Uh, you're protected by the law if the, anything happens to you. I think you go out and demand equal pay, equal justice. So. There was also Title IX, and there was a thirty by
1: thirty for Title IX as well. That you know is in nineteen seventy two. It's a um, legislation that bans sexual dis- uh, discrimination yeah. in all schools,
0: including right. athletics. Right. And I have my daughter here, who's yes. an athlete, Holly <laughs> Jansen. Hello. <laughs> she's, bring bring your daughter to work day. Yes.
1: Yes. <laughs> so I know she's volleyball player, which I'm like whoop, whoop, whoop. <laughs> But we have an administration that's pulling back on you know that title. Title Nine, and first of all, when when I heard about this, my heart dropped. Mm-hmm. There has been a longstanding for you know p- women fighting for the right to you know play in sports, Correct. to be in this industry, right. to you know um, have
0: equal pay, right, and equal opportunities.
1: Do you can you talk about the Title Nine?
0: Well, yeah, I mean th- that is in sports. I mean we've always focused everyone there's this bias that okay well sports that's a boy thing a, a a man thing but there's like sports there's so many fantastic female athletes you know even in the high school level and above and so when you have unfair avenues and unfair resources allocated t- between the genders um, that really impacts profoundly because, for example, scholarships, you know, scholarships and um, opportunities for girls to get into college on a sports scholarship, um, those are eliminated if in your high school you don't have the sports program. You can't, you don't have, you know, a, a, a great, um, coach or a sport or a th- athletic program that promotes the girls playing in you know um in sports or the or the equipment or the gym or the you know the money to go to the mm-hmm. tournaments i mean when you put all that money into the boys, you know, which football, basketball um, for the boys, then you've got scouts and scholarships and recruiters coming in and giving those opportunities for the boys to go to college. What about our girls? Mm-hmm. So I think that when you have, um, you know, you need to have equality as well in in, in sports, in the schools. But it's also
1: uh, the, in regards to reporting sexual abuse. Um, And, you know, I just, I mentioned the New York Times, Harvey Weinstein um, Mm -hmm. report. Um, And all these women are coming forward saying, yeah, well, he did this to me. And then we have this screen Junkies um, guy as well. And people are posting their emails of what he sent them on social media. This is a whole new time. Like with social media (laughs) yeah, <laughs> and there's
0: cameras, and there's... there's text messages. It's like there's
1: <laughs> audio, there's uh, video. Oh yeah, there. I, I don't know how you. If he, I said to my husband the other day, I'm like, you can't get away with anything anymore. You you do have to be authentic and true to yourself, to your w- colleagues, if you own a company. You have to stay above board, oh, no yeah. matter what, because you're yeah. you can be just taken out just like that right. with oh, oh, no, I didn't try to hit on her. Oh well, really, look at my look at this email that you sent me. Right, you know, and yeah. that's what's happening. It's right. crazy.
0: Yeah, it is. It's it's there. I mean, I had a case, you know, where same thing. The CEO was just that was his that's what he did he sexually harassed the girls and i say girls cuz some of them were our clients were teenagers and um and the women in the workplace and just thought well i'm the ceo i can do this and the board of you've got a board of directors who's just allowing it you know and then they turn it around as if well the women who are making these allegations, they are just looking. You know, he's a rock star, they're so they're for money. they're there. For, yeah, and it's always, a, they turn it around. But that's the thing is that uh,
1: the women, the, there's a culture of of women. That are afraid to speak up because they're gonna lose Ex- their job.
0: And because they're gonna be maligned. They're gonna be like, oh, you're just hung- money hungry. You just want a lawsuit so you can get all this money. And, or, so that's why, and the embarrassment. It's embarrassing to be grabbed and, you know, and be. It treated that way. So it's embarrassing professionally. It's embarrassing as a human being. It's embarrassing that um, you're gonna The whole situation is going to be turned around as if you were after him mm-hmm. or so. That's why a lot of women don't complain and don't, you know, come forward. Mm-hmm. And I think society needs to like stop and just, um, you know, you, you can't just make these stereotypical you know allegations like she just wants to not work and just have a payday yeah
1: the one young lady who worked at Screen Junkies that um, boss the SVP was hitting on her and Mm -hmm. she went to HR with two other women yeah um, and complained and they did nothing so then therefore she turned to social media and said they're not doing anything they care more about him right than they do about me. Can you talk about
0: that uh, in regards to reporting? Sure. So, um, again, in California, we have very strong laws. The Department, the Fair Employment and Housing Act uh, is, has, has, um, strong protections for compl- you know, in terms of complaining and retaliation. So when a person complains about sexual harassment, women can go to human resources. Women can go and just give notice, they call it, to, um, to the company, whether it's human resources, a manager, a supervisor, someone higher up that has some power. That person who it's reported to must take an immediate action – to address the complaint. It has to be prompt. It has to be unbiased. Like you're not going to send your the boss you're complaining about <laughs> to go right. investigate this problem that, right. you, know, you know, you have to have an unbiased and prompt investigation. And when you have that, you're supposed, the employer is supposed to then remedy the situation, whether it means reprimanding or even firing the person who's sexually harassed. Um, separating the woman from, from her harasser, not 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 moving her to like a lesser or, or worse position <laughs> under the guise of I'm separating you from this. Yeah. You know, I mean, you got to look at it mm-hmm. very closely to Do see... not move them to the basement. Exactly. Like you are now going to commute to Timbuktu <laughs> and that's because we want to separate you from your harasser. It's like, well, then why don't you send him to Timbuktu or whatever? You know, mm-hmm. anyway... They yeah, for the reporting you you are protected um, when you report this this complaint of discrimination or, or or harassment, and the employer is supposed to promptly investigate it in an unbiased way and then take remedies to correct the problem. You do that, you probably won't have a lawsuit, you know, because they fixed it, you know, um, so. So that's why there's these provisions in our in our state laws that we have these requirements. And if you do that and you follow that, um, and they also require um, sexual harassment training every two years, that's a mandatory requirement for big employers. So we have the laws that are there. It just takes the courage for the. Um, victims and the women to come forward and 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 invoke those laws yeah. to protect themselves. It's tough. Mm-hmm.
1: A lot of people say, "Well, HR is there to protect the company, so they don't feel comfortable um, going to HR." I agree.
0: <laughs>
1: I, I mean, I know that uh, the Roger Ailes case. A lot of people didn't didn't want to go to HR and report it because they didn't feel comfortable. Right. Doing that. Right. And it's well documented that, oh, yeah, I'm not going to call, you know, this right. HR line. Right. How can you as an employee be sure that you're protected
0: right. when
1: you want to
0: complain? Yeah. So um, I talked about the Fair Employment Housing Act. There's the Department of Fair Employment and Housing in um In Los Angeles, um, if you if you go online and you look at the Department of Fair Employment and Housing, that's the state agency that is in place to address and investigate discrimination and harassment complaints. So if you don't want to go to human resources, you can call and go to your local Department of Fair Employment and Housing, or the Equal Employment Opportunity, you know, Commission, um, and complain. That's a federal agency, and complain and report what's happening to you in the workplace. And they're a third party agency, right? So that's they're going to hopefully be neutral, and they're charged with the task of investigating these complaints and 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 possibly prosecuting it if they find that there is discrimination or sexual harassment that's happening. So you can go as an employee to the Department of Fair Employment Housing, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, and complain there. They're going to take your case, investigate it, and uh, hopefully make help you make changes in the workplace and when you do make that complaint again the retaliation laws will protect you you cannot the boss can't be like why the hell did you go to the eoc and the dfh and complain they cannot do that and if they do you've got a retaliation claim on top of that so you know they're they not to say that it they won't do they won't the employer won't retaliate against you but at least you know that there's laws that protect you yes um You you are protected.
1: So speaking of employee employees being protected, how can an employer protect themselves from all
0: of this litigation? Well, follow the law. That's the thing. It's like follow the law. Like when you feel employer, when you see your CEO like grabbing someone's butt, maybe you should take him aside and fire him. I don't know. Or or investigate it. Obviously take some action. How they protect themselves from this litigation. Follow the law. Provide. What the law says you're supposed to do, sexual harassment training, sensitivity classes, have a diversity program, ha- promote, you know, women and people of color that deserve promotion. Don't just second guess their, you know, you really look at look at your workforce because there's talented, amazing women and people of color there that you should be looking at and promoting. I mean, one of the things that, you know, um I, I like it with Mike with my case where um, with Joyce Lee, she's incredibly talented and has such great connections with 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 NBA players. But they're overlooking that and just thinking, oh, she's just the operations director and not looking at what value she brings to the workplace. And, and they have that bias and view Of that person because I believe that she's a woman and therefore she's not getting, you know, the fair treatment and opportunities and salary that she deserves. But I think that, you know, employers, there's wonderful people (laughs) out there. Why are you treating them so poorly? And not everyone. Yeah, not everyone. But
1: I was was talking to someone, you know, there's the thing of, well, there's the boys club, Mm -hmm. right? It's not that they're not thinking about well it's not that they don't want to promote women It's that they're just not thinking about it they're like oh i'm going to promote my my boys club friend
0: yeah or i'm going to what's operative word boys <laughs> like it's <laughs> like why are they your friends cuz you golf with them because you let them go to the sports retreats well but it's more of a
1: um well i'm going to i'm going to help yeah that's yeah they're close it's not that they're not they they just don't think about it You know, they just don't think about, oh. They need
0: to think about it. That's what I'm saying. So they need to step out of that mentality and see that there is a diverse workplace, gender and race and all, you know, LGBTQ. There's a diverse workforce that have talent. And you can't just think, oh, I'm just going to, you know, help this guy because he's my golf buddy or he's my, you know, it's, it's, it's. Um, you know really look look at look at what you've got and the beautiful- you know the wonderful talent that you have and, and promote and and step out of your tunnel vision right know. right um when you were on previously
1: um a few years ago you were talking about an employee hand guide mm-hmm. um, can you talk about the employee hand guide and how that helps uh within an organization know the Rights
0: sure. and wrongs. Of- sure. Yeah. So the employee handbook it's supposed to set forth the rules of the employer, and that's and, and rules such as dress code, um, you know, um, and also the policy regarding how to report discrimination. And it should have a, a statement in there that says that we won't retaliate against you. Um, so the handbook will encompass all the rules and policies that the employer has. Um, And so it's helpful because um, if a employee deviates from those rules, then the employer can legitimately say, well, the rules are right there. You know, you deviated from it and we're just following, you know, what our protocol is regarding discipline, whether Mm -hmm. it's, you know, three strikes and then you're out or whether you get fired immediately, what have you. Mm -hmm. Um, The The thing, though, with these handbooks is a lot of employers have it and they're all there. But then when you get down to the reality, a lot of times they're enforced in an unfair way. Right.
1: (laughs) And so I don't know what you're talking about. I
0: know. Like, (laughs) like, well, yeah, you have a policy that if you come in five minutes late, you know, three times in a row, then, you know, we're going to discipline you. But then. Employee A did that, and you didn't. You, you didn't, buy, you know, discipline that employee. Employee B did that, and you did. Employee B is a woman, or employee B is is black, or employee B, you know, then you've got a problem. So I think. Um, Handbooks are helpful for employers because, like, again, it sets forth all your policies, but then follow it, you yeah. know? Do you know if Miss
1: Lee, if the company, um, ISE, ISE, correct, mm-hmm. uh, did they have a handbook?
0: Yeah. I mean, they had um, a handbook. They had rules and regulations, but... Um, it wasn't enforced. Well, I think okay. the, the example would be this dress code policy. <laughs> it's like they have, you know, you have a legitimate dress code policy. You can have that. But then... Why are men allowed to violate it left and right? And then, you know, she gets disciplined for violating at one time when she wore Bermuda shorts. I mean, those are those are examples of what I say. You have these policies, but then they're not enforced fairly. So as an employee, uh, again, you
1: talked about, you know, the the hand guide uh, employee handbook. Um,
0: but you also talked about how employees need to document yeah. what's going on. As yeah. Well. I mean, I think that's important. I think documentation is, is you know, putting my legal attorney hat on. Yes. Is evidence, you know. So what I've found and always my recommendation when you're complaining and reporting unfair treatment is to document it. So you can certainly um, – Email is, is perfect because it has a date stamp and a time stamp and you email HR, you email your boss and you say, you know, I want to talk to you about a complaint I have regarding how I'm being treated. You know, even that will, you know, you don't have to put the details of it in the email, but <laughs> at least you're documenting that you went and reported it. And then you say, you know, can we have, can we, can we have a meeting so that we can discuss it? And then you have your meeting, you talk about and you set forth your complaint and your issues, hopefully give them an opportunity to address it. And then you confirm, say, thank you for meeting with me on such and such a date. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, those are good ways to document your, um, your complaints. I think it's, um, you know, it's, it's wise to do that. With, with other
1: people in your company who may see what's going on, um, How can you pull them in as an advocate or how do you suggest?
0: Yeah. So um, one of the things that employee handbooks say, but oftentimes, you know, again, people are scared to do it, is that Um, if you see discrimination or harassment happening in front of you, you may not be the victim of it, but you're seeing it. You need to report that. You need to bring that to the attention of HR or to higher up so that you don't just be a passive bystander, right? I mean, I think that we all have a duty, everybody in the workplace, to um, make sure that everyone's being treated, you know, fairly, you know. So I think that managers and supervisors as well they're they're obligated to do that they're obligated to report what was happening and to see if hr will take you know take remedies and steps to address that but i think and the good thing about this is the law protects those people as well so even if you aren't the victim of harassment or discrimination, but you went on behalf of your fellow colleague to HR and complained about it, and then they get mad at you and they start sending you to Timbuktu, <laughs> or cutting your hours, or you suddenly start getting this write-ups. Um, you have a claim now. You are protected. The, you have a retaliation claim because you you advocated and and complained of discrimination in the workplace. It doesn't have to be because. You're the victim of it, but you saw your colleague mm-hmm. as a victim of it. When
1: I was taking uh, classes back for another company about discrimination and uh, employee practices, the, this one lawyer told me or, or told the group about this one case where someone was on their computer looking at pornographic material and um, someone passed by and saw it mm-hmm. And complained, and nothing was ever done. They didn't do anything about it. And then the person was very distraught about it, didn't come to work. She ended up getting fired. She sued, and she actually won. Mm Mm-hmm. Because they didn't take any action, exactly. Even though that person wasn't doing it against her, but she saw it, right, and it affected her in
0: a negative way, right? Because it's and that's that's a hostile work environment claim, oh. you know, where hostile work where your work environment hostile is hostile in the term in terms of I mean it's a, it's a it's a legal term, but hostile meaning there's sexual content on a computer or there's sexual jokes being said around you but no not to you directly but it's around you and people are um posting or showing you know sexually explicit photos so that's your work environment that's your hostile work environment you're you're exposed to that and you shouldn't have to walk by a computer and see porn on mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. and so and and Going back to that law that I said you ha- the employer has an obligation to promptly investigate the situation and remedy it. They had to remedy that. They needed to take that employee who had the porn and discipline him. You know, we're not saying, you know, it- it- an appropriate remedy. Maybe if it's the first time, you may not fire him, but you maybe suspend him. Mm-hmm you know, for a period of time, enough to punish and so that they will not do it again because you've got other employees that you mm-hmm. have an obligation to have a very, um to have a non-hostile work environment. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's that type of sexual harassment. And then there's the quid pro quo. I think maybe I talked about it last time. The, the, okay, if you, yeah, if you go out with me, we can, Talk about that promotion that <laughs> yes. is out there. That quid pro quo harassment—that's that's there a lot too. Mm-hmm. You know that mm-hmm. happens, and it's it's one where perhaps the woman complies, and so that's not going to defeat your claim because you kind of you're, you're coerced to to complying with boss who says, you know, let's do this and then I'll give you that. Let's meet my hotel room. Yeah. <laughs> and have some drinks. Right. You know, because, you know, I saw you had a, you're subject to termination by your other boss and maybe oh we can talk about that. You know, I mean, it's really, it's, impl- it doesn't have to be ex- explicit. It's mm-hmm. implied. Yeah. And,
1: and, you know, I, I use that voice, but it, it happens every day and it's so serious. It's just like you, you. You don't know what to do. It's like, okay, if I don't go mm-hmm. to the, you know, whatever, I don't know go out it. to the lit- if I don't, and- I know I th- it. It's implied that I need to be there,
0: and if I don't, I'm probably going to get fired, right? And I have a mortgage, right, right, or that promotion I put my bid in is not going to happen for me. I mean, it's so, it's it, it's unfortunate that it still happens today and Mm -hmm. what year are we in my god (laughs) yeah
1: um so tony oh actually i'm gonna ask you one more thing so i read about the uh overtime law here in california i I guess um the president is getting rid of the overtime law that
0: like you can't have an employee work overtime and not pay them well yeah i mean you can't so in california the overtime laws if you work over eight hours a day you are entitled to overtime um time and a half of your hourly rate and uh or over 40 hours a week so that you know is in place and um we have there it still happens one of the things that Um, a lot of times employers try to do to go around that law is to give you a title and put you on a salary. And, and, and they think that'll be okay, well, you're, you're salaried, so you don't get overtime. Mm -hmm. But you got to look at the job duties. Because if you're doing overtime, if you're doing hourly work, even though you're called the, you know, vice president of telephones, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but you're a receptionist, and you're doing hourly work, you look at the duties. Whether you're paid salary or not, all you do is you, you get your hourly rate from your salary. So if you're making, um, you know, $50,000 a year to get your hourly rate, you divide it by 20, 80, 20, 80 hours for a 40-hour work week. That's your hourly rate. And and anytime you work over eight hours for the day, you should get time and a half of that. So I think that um, another, you know, another, I guess, tip or, or whatever you want to call it is um, – you are entitled to overtime over 8 hours a day of work time and a half and regardless if you're salaried and what your job titled title is because a lot of employers misclassify you mm-hmm. and sometimes they don't realize it they mm-hmm. just think you know small employers they just think Oh, you know, you you you're going to be our office manager, and we're putting you on salary. But th- but truly, their job duties are hourly type works. They have no discretion. They don't supervise. They don't have authority to hire or fire. You know, so those are the ways to look at whether you're really, you know, um, exempt from overtime or or doing duties that are hourly work.
1: Yeah. Will will this change in the law affect your business in any way, Tony?
0: Um, Well, it would. I mean, we'd have to now shift to seeing how um, employers comply. Um, But with, you know, I mean, the employment laws, on one hand, it's so dynamic. There's so many different um, nuances to things in facts. Um, I think that, you know... We did have that shift in overtime like way back when when it used to be 40-hour work week and that you only get overtime when it's 40 hours, more than 40 hours a week versus eight-hour days. Um, So you can work 12 hours in one day, not get overtime so long as – for the full week, you didn't go past 40. So then that shifted to now eight hour days. And so it can shift again. Um, And, and it wouldn't really affect our business as workers rights, because there's going to be employers who will violate that law Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that change. And so we are there to, you know, to advocate for those uh, workers who, who are subject to those violations. Right.
1: And I mean, and you, you, it sounds easy. Just follow the law. But it is easy. Follow the law yeah. and you won't get sued. I mean, we yeah. have the right
0: to sue, but it doesn't mean that you're going to win. Right. Sometimes I think that employers have a – they evaluate the bottom dollar number. It's kind of like, well, if I can get away with violating the law and not paying overtime or, or getting away with you know sexual harassment for all this year um, – one lawsuit, we'll just settle them out for like you know, twenty thousand. They'll mm-hmm. go away, and so they do this analysis, and I guess you know, like, well, what's the cost of a lawsuit, and what are the chances of me getting sued, versus us cutting corners and not 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 um, complying with the law so that I can get away with cheap labor, you know, not paying overtime or what have you. Um, and so I think it takes. What we need to do as workers and workers' rights advocates is to take them, you know, address it, bring it up, and and, and use the law to, you know, to address that and, and pursue it. You know, there's also, even if it's not filing a lawsuit, but going to the labor board to file your overtime claim, because then they get, they have to, they have to address that with the labor commissioner, um, and we have a great labor commissioner in California, julissa so she's fantastic. She'll enforce those laws. And then we, or to go to the Department for Employment H- housing and Housing and have those and complain there. So I think that we just need to utilize our resources, our laws, our agencies that are going to uh, make employers, you know, comply when they choose not to.
1: Tony, I know that, you know, lawsuits can go on for years yeah. and years and years, and where do you see the Joyce Lee versus independent sports and entertainment going? Do you see a conclusion near or
0: we just are starting the arbitration process and that um shoot, my last arbitration took years. But there's always opportunities during litigation to try to resolve it. So where I see this case going is I think we will prevail. I'm very confident that we will, but we're all, you know, there's opportunities before getting to a hearing or a or a award, you know, that's the terminology in arbitration to resolve it, but you know, we're in for the long haul. We're into you know, to take it to the very end, to the finish line. Um, We also have this uh, Attorney General uh, Act uh, claim that we're going to file in state court. And so that's going to have a different, you know, train track, you know, there's so there'll be two tracks there. So it's going to be a while we just started. um, But at the end of the day, I feel very confident about where we're going to end up.
1: And for gender bias in sports and in the workplace, well, we'll talk about sports. I mean, we we say you know support your women's sports support your support women in sports yeah and the more we do that the more people pay yeah the more
0: yeah the job. more we'll advance the more opportunities and it's like what you said LeFern I think it was you were spot on it's like people. When you get into that position of power, when you get up there, you have an obligation, in my view, to help those that are still striving to get to your level. You know, you have a mentee, you know, be a mentor, you know, make positive changes in the workplace when you're in position of power. Tell the CEO to have a diversity program. Tell the CEO to have a mentor program. Tell the CEO that we we need to be inclusive and not exclusive of of all opportunities, and so that's... That's, I think, is an obligation for us as women once we get into the position of power, people of color who get into the position of power. Don't forget those who are still striving to get up there. Yes, and you do that as well. You
1: mentor people, and I know you're coming in on this weekend, and I know that you mentor people on the weekend, so I appreciate your time. And a UCLA grad as yeah. well. Yeah. <laughs> can you tell us how we can find out more information about you, or if anybody sure. would like to know
0: about more policies in the workplace and be aware of their rights. Sure. Uh, so my phone number is 310-551-3020 and my website is harimia.com and harimia is spelled j a r a m i l l a. So harimia.com um, and my email here's my email. <laughs> I love email. I'm it's always I have on my phone so Tony T O N I at TJJLaw.com.
1: All right. Well, thank you so much, Tony Jaramilla from Tony Jaramilla Professional Law Corporation. It's truly been a pleasure. Thank you. It's my pleasure. I'm Lafern Cusack here for ESPN LA. If you want more information, please log on to ESPNLA.com uh, and go to the experience page, download podcasts, or check me out on Twitter at Lafern Cusack. Thanks again for joining me. I'll see you next week here on ESPN LA.
0: ESPN LA 710.